What's up, everybody? Welcome back. How you doing? It's time for another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am your host, Andrew for America. And today, I wanted to talk about the deep state. What is it? What the hell is the deep state? <laughs> oh, man. We fear what we do not understand, people. And, you know, this label conspiracy theorist, I mean, it's just, it's such a, ugh. It's such effective brainwashing. It just completely, it gives you an answer. It gives you a cop-out. Oh, you know what? I don't want to learn about that because I don't want to be labeled a conspiracy theorist. It, people, oh my God. I, I mean, I, honestly, I could talk about this forever. And I feel like I want to talk about it forever because I don't know what it's going to take to get through you people's heads. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but here we go. I'm going to I'm gonna dive deep today. I'm going to do a little bit of reading. Hope you guys find this stuff interesting. Um, honestly, this episode I'm kind of doing more for me than for anybody else because I'm just trying to organize my thoughts. And I figured I'd turn it into a podcast because, uh, I don't know, maybe you guys find it interesting. Um, and maybe you guys like my point of view on the matter. So here we go. Let's see. Uh, I want to start by... Uh, reading a little article that I found called um, The Deep State's Divide and Conquer Strategy is Working. Tyranny without a tyrant is how this is what the name of the article is. And I found this on, uh, I think this is in the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity page. So... Um, I found it interesting. hope you do too. So here we go. Uh, Tyranny without a tyrant. The deep state's divide and conquer strategy is working by a gentleman named John Whitehead. If you want to look up uh, the author. Okay. Um, so here we go. Here we go. We're going to talk about divide and conquer. We're going to talk about the Hegelian dialectic today. What is it? What's that? I hear it all the time. What is it a conspiracy theory? Um, nope. It's uh, uh, actually... Named after a guy named uh, George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. And we're going to talk about him a little bit today. So you know uh, where the Hegelian dialectic comes from. Uh, and then I'm going to read to you uh, something that I know a lot of you are definitely going to call probably conspiracy theory bullshit. But it just so happens that it's from declassified CIA records. Um... And it is quite fascinating, to say the least. So strap on your seatbelts, people. This episode, we're diving deep. Uh, and we're going to learn about what the hell is the deep state. So here we go. Tyranny without a tyrant. The deep state's divide and conquer strategy is working. Uh, he starts off this article with a quote by someone named Hannah Arendt. Uh, and it says, on violence. So maybe this is from an article or a book she wrote. Here we go, quote, in a fully developed bureaucracy, there is nobody left with whom one can argue, to whom one can present grievances, on whom the pressures of power can be exerted. Bureaucracy is the form of government in which everybody is deprived of political freedom, of the power to act for the rule of, 
I'm sorry, for the rule by nobody is not no rule, and where all are equally powerless, we have a tyranny without a tyrant. I like that. So what exactly is going on? Um, is this a revolution? Is this anarchy? Is this a spectacle engineered to distract us from the machinations of the police state? Is this a sociological means of resetting our national equilibrium? Is this a Machiavellian scheme designed to further polarize, further polarize the populace and undermine our efforts to stand unified against government tyranny? Is this so-called populist uprising actually a manufactured race war and in uh, an election year referendum on who should occupy the White House? Well, whatever it is, this, the racial hypersensitivity without racial justice, the kowtowing to politically correct bullies with no regard for anyone else's free speech rights, the violent blowback after years of government-sanctioned brutality, the mob mindset that is overwhelming the rights of the individual, the oppressive uh, glowering of the nanny state, the seemingly righteous indignation full of sound and fury that in the end signifies absolutely nothing. The partisan divide that grows more impassable with every passing day is not leading us anywhere good. Certainly, it's not leading us to more freedom. This draconian exercise in how to divide, conquer, and subdue a nation is succeeding. And I've said it in a previous podcast. <clears throat> the left, the progressive left's efforts, people, are working. They are, be, they are successful as of late. Um, it must be said, the Black Lives Matter protests have not helped inadvertently or intentionally. These protest, uh, protests tinged with mob violence, rampant incivility, intolerance, and an, <clears throat> and an arrogant disdain for how an open marketplace of idea, ideas can advance freedom have politicized what should have been which should not have been politicized. P police brutality and the government's ongoing assaults on our freedoms. For one brief moment in the wake of George Floyd's death, it seemed as if finally we the people might put aside our differences long enough to stand unified, unified, united, in outrage over the government's brutality. That silver, that sliver, <laughs> god damn it, that sliver of unity didn't last we may be worse off now than we were before. Suddenly, no one seems to be talking about any of the egregious governmental abuses that are still wreaking havoc on our freedoms. Police shootings of unarmed individuals, invasive surveillance, roadside blood draws, roadside strip searches, SWAT team raids gone awry, the military-industrial complex's costly wars, pork barrel spending, pre-crime laws, civil asset forfeiture, fusion centers, militarization, armed drones, smart policing carried out by AI robots, courts that march on in lockstep with the police state, schools that function as indoctrination centers, bureaucrats that keep the deep state in power the more things change people the more they stay the same how do you persuade a populace to embrace totalitarianism well you don't first of all slow use of patience over time 
That goose-stepping form of tyranny in which the government has all of the power and we the people have none. You persuade the people that the menace they face, imaginary or not, is so sinister, so overwhelming, so fearsome, that the only way to surmount the danger is by empowering the government to take all necessary steps to quash it, even if that means allowing government jackboots to trample all over the Constitution. And people, that is what has been happening ever since the Patriot Act after 9-11. This is how you use the politics of fear to, to persuade a freedom-endowed people to shackle themselves to a dictatorship. It works the same every way. It works the same every time. People, there's nothing new in this world except the history you do not know. And those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. The government's overblown, extended wars on terrorism, drugs, violence, illegal immigration, and so-called domestic extremism, <laughs> so-called, have been convenient ruses, ruses, lulling you to sleep, fairy tales, the show, if you will, used to terrorize the populace into relinquishing more of their freedoms in exchange for elusive promises of security. And if that doesn't immediately make you think of that Ben Franklin quote, those who are willing to trade their liberty for a false sense of security deserve neither liberty nor security, people. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. If you're going to just sit there, let them manipulate, manipulate you, let them walk this new world order right into existence, right under your noses, blinding you with their media and their propaganda... I mean, it's probably the most well-orchestrated plan in the history of the world. And you know what? It's Sadly, if everything I've been telling you is true and secret societies have been, you know, playing this big chess game throughout history, then it's actually the same story. It's not a different story or a set of stories. It's the same story. And we're just living in, we're just living in it. We're just living in when, you know, the good times created by so many are being destroyed by a very few. And it's, it's happened throughout history. All empires fall. All empires that have risen have fallen. And maybe it's time. Maybe the American empire is slowly on its way out. Short, quick trip. Hope we learned a lot, people. All right, I'm going to continue. Having allowed our fears to be codified and our actions criminalized, we now find ourselves in a strange new world where just about everything we do is criminalized, even our ability to choose whether or not to wear a mask in public during the COVID-19 pan uh, pandemic. Strangely enough, in the face of outright corruption and incompetency on the part of our elected officials, Americans in general remain relatively gullible. Eager to be persuaded that the government can solve the problems that plague us, whether it be terrorism, economic depression, environmental disaster, or global pandemic. Great scapegoats. Great scapegoats. 
We have relinquished control over the most intimate aspects of our lives to government officials who, while they may occupy seats of authority, are neither wiser, smarter, more in tune with our needs, more knowledgeable about our problems, nor more aware of what is really in our best interests. People, I'm not the only one saying this stuff. Yet having bought into the false notion that the government does indeed know what's best for us and can ensure not only our safety but our happiness, what a joke, and will take care of us from cradle to the grave. (laughs) That is from daycare centers to nursing homes. Peaceful slavery, people. That's the goal. That's the goal. A world enslaved, but a world living in peace. Maybe a socialist world utopia is the new slavery. It's it's the end of freedom and free will. And it's a it's a it's a dumbed down smaller version of free will free will and the ability to exercise your free will under the umbrella of our intellectual elite overlords. Is that, is that what we want, people? Is that what you want your future to be? I mean, I honestly believe a lot of you really want this. That you really want to be controlled and dominated by a small group of people who think they know what's best for you, who think they know what you should think, how you should act. I don't know. Maybe it will be great. Maybe it will be a painless concentration camp. Who knows? Who knows? But we're fast-forwarding, people. We're on our way there. So you better strap on your seatbelts, people. We're not going backwards. There, I see no signs that any of this is going to get walked back by the right or the libertarians or the Republican Party. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's almost checkmate, people. We are so close to checkmate. It's coming. The lesson of this article, people, is this. Once a free people allows the government inroads into their freedoms or uses those same freedoms as bargaining chips for security, it quickly becomes a slippery slope to outright tyranny. Nor does it seem to matter whether it's a Democrat or a Republican at the helm anymore. Oh no, doesn't matter. Indeed, the bureaucrat mindset on both sides of the aisle now seems to embody the same philosophy of authoritarian government, whose priorities are to milk we the people of our hard-earned money by way of taxes, fines, fees, etc., and remain in control and in power. George Carlin told you this. Ron Paul told you this. Any principled constitutionalist will tell you this. Any enlightened adult is lying to themselves, in my humble opinion, if you you tell me that you don't see it. And I get it. We're paralyzed with fear. I get it. By design. They want you afraid. 
They want you passive. They want you obedient. This is the reality of the 21st century, people. It's not going away. You better learn about it. You better embrace it. You better face it. Modern government, in general, ranging from the militarized police and SWAT team gear crashing through our doors to rash of uh, to the rash of innocent citizens being gunned down by police to the invasive spying on everything we do, is acting illogically, even psychopathically. You know. And then there's a brief aside here. The characteristics of a psychopath include, quote, a lack of remorse and empathy, a sense, a sense of grandiosity, superficial charm, cunning, manipulative behavior, refusal to take responsibility for one's actions, among others. <laughs> when our own government no longer sees us as human beings, that's the sanctity of life, Combo Austin. I talked about or brought up in a previous podcast. When our own government no longer sees us as human beings with dignity and worth, but as things to be manipulated, maneuvered, mined for data, manhandled by police, conned into believing it has our best interests at heart, mistreated, and then jails us if we dare step out of line, punishes us unjustly without remorse, and refuses to own up to its failings. We are no longer operating under a constitutional republic, people. Instead, what we are experiencing is a pathocracy. <laughs> Tyranny with the hands, at the hands, of a psychopathic government, which operates against the interests of its own people, except for favoring certain groups. Guess what certain group I'm thinking of when I'm reading this right now? corporations, multinational corporations. My friend Sam Winchester just put out a podcast where he talked about Mussolini's quote uh, defining what fascism is. It should more rightly be called corporatism because it's a marriage of government and corporate power. People, we are not living in a constitutional republic anymore. It has been usurped. Our Bill of Rights usurped. Very slowly, piece by piece, over time. Fast forwarded after 9-11 and the Patriot Act, and it's we're on our way into warp speed overdrive under Biden right now, people. We're seeing it. So where does that leave us? Having allowed the government to expand and exceed our reach, we find ourselves on the losing end of a tug of war over control of our country and our lives. And for as long as we let them, government officials will continue to trample on our rights, always justifying their actions as being for the good of the people. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Milton Friedman Yet the government can only go as far as we the people allow. Therein lies the problem. The pickle we find ourselves in speaks volumes about the nature of the government beast we have been saddled with and how it views the rights and sovereignty of we the people. Now you don't hear a lot about sovereignty anymore. 
Sovereignty is a dusty, antiquated term that harkens back to an age when kings and emperors ruled with absolute power over a populace that had no rights. Americans turned the idea of sovereignty on its head when they declared their independence from Great Britain and rejected the absolute authority of King George III. In doing so, Americans claimed for themselves the right to self-government, religious freedom, and established for themselves and and established themselves as the ultimate authority and power. You better start learning this stuff, people. In other words, in America, we the people, sovereign citizens, call the shots. You feel like you're calling the shots, people? You feel like we the people, the sovereign citizens of this country, you think we're calling the shots? You want to know who calls the shots in this country, people? The people that you are not allowed to criticize. You ever had a seemingly um, non-controversial post get fact-checked by independent fact-checkers on your Facebooks? (laughs) Might as well be Fahrenheit 9-11. Might as well be right out of Bradbury's book. Burn them. Burn them the books. Or like... uh, Uh, Zach De La Roca from Rage Against the Machine says, they don't got to burn the books. They just remove them. People. (laughs) Go buy physical books while you still can. I'm telling you. It's like V for Vendetta. The guy's got a a library in his underground sanctuary. You got to go buy physical books. We can't let the knowledge of the human race disappear and let this small group destroy it and eliminate it from existence. That's what that, I'm telling you, people, it's coming. It's coming. So when the government acts, it is supposed to do uh, it is supposed to do so at our bidding and on our behalf because we are the rulers. Okay. Well, this guy's getting a little, you know, I mean, it's true, but I mean, you know, let's temper that with some pragmatism, okay? It's not exactly how it turned out, though, is it? Is what he says. So now he's going to pivot. In the 200 plus years since we boldly embarked on this experiment in self-government, we have been steadily losing ground to the government's brazen power grabs foisted upon us in the so-called name of national security. Very true. Agree. The government has knocked us off of our rightful throne. It has usurped our rightful authority. It has staged the ultimate coup. Its agents no longer even pretend that they answer to the we the people. Worst of all, we the people have become desensitized to this constant undermining of our freedoms. Yes, we have. And you can thank the media for that. How do we reconcile the founder's vision of the government as an entity whose only purpose is to serve the people with the police state's insistence that the government is the supreme authority, that its power trumps that of the people themselves, and that it may exercise that power in any way it sees fit? They cannot be reconciled. They are polar opposites. And then here we go. We are fast approaching a moment of reckoning where we will be forced to choose between the vision of what America was intended to be, a model for self-governance where power is vested in the people, and the reality of what has become a police state, a fascist police state, where power is vested in the government. 
This slide into totalitarianism, helped along by overcriminalization, government surveillance, militarized police, neighbors turning on neighbors, neighbors turning in neighbors, privatized pri- uh, prisons, and forced labor camps, to name just a few similarities, is tracking very closely with what happened in Germany in the years leading up to Hitler's rise to power. Uh, Sam Winchester recently talked about this very thing in his last couple podcasts. According to Sam, go check him out. He talks about the uh, Reichstag fire and he relates it to the Capitol riots, which I believe he is spot on. People, we are walking a dangerous path right now. No matter who wins the presidential elections... It's a sure bet that the losers will always be the American people. Despite what is taught in school and the propaganda that is peddled by the media, the 2020 presidential election is not a populist election for a representative. Rather, it is a gathering of shareholders to select the next CEO, a fact reinforced by the nation's archaic electoral college system. I do not completely agree with that, but... You know, I'm a believer in the importance of the Electoral College, but I gotta admit, there are... This guy has, he has a point. He has a point. You know, and a lot, and, you know, a a lot of the founding principles, you you know, I guess some of what you, some of you assholes call us bootlickers. No, people, we're trying to hang on and save the proper way to run this experiment in America. And you people are trying to flush even the answers down the toilet. I don't give a shit. You guys can call me a bootlicker all you want. I, I, I'm not stupid enough to, to see how things should be and how things uh, would probably work well if people adhered to principles like I've been talking about. But, you know, there are truths to the fact that parts of our system, you know, might be able to be overhauled a little bit to more closely align with the way the world is in the 21st century. And ideally, that's what we're all shooting for, right? And that's where your people's faith in these uh, Democrats and Republicans still lie, I'm sure. You guys are just hoping for the best. Oh, I'm going to vote for the next big club rich asshole. And when he's going to come in, he's going to change everything and make it so much better for the American people, right? That's your argument. That's your inner monologue. That's what you tell yourself. That's the lie. You tell yourself when the truth is staring you in the face. These rich assholes do not give a fuck about you. George Carlin was right. Anyone who believes that this election... So this article was written before the Trump-Biden election, obviously. So anyone who believes that this election will bring about any real change (laughs) on how the American government does business is either incredibly naive, woefully out of touch, or oblivious to the fact that as an in-depth Princeton University study shows, we now live in an oligarchy. We are slowly moving people towards Emmanuel Goldstein's theory of oligarchic collectivism. People, it's straight out of Orwell's 1984. You better start reading this stuff, people. An oligarchy is a government of the rich, by the rich, and for the rich. 
Be warned. The establishment, the deep state, and its corporate partners that really run the show pull the strings and dictate the policies no matter who occupies the Oval Office is not going to allow anyone to take office who will unravel their power structures that they have built and they have spent years building. Those who have attempted to do so in the past have been effectively put out of commission. Voting sustains the illusion that we have a democratic republic but it is merely a dictatorship in disguise, people. Or what political scientists Martin Gillins and Benjamin Page more accurately refer to as an economic elite domination. In such an environment, the economic elite, consisting of lobbyists, corporations, moneyed special interest groups, etc., now dictate national policy. As the Princeton University oligarchy study indicates, our elected officials, especially those in the nation's capital, represent the interests of the rich and powerful rather than the average citizen. And this can be proven. I think Michael Douglas just did a thing on Represent Us. If you can go watch that uh, video uh, on the social medias, maybe I'll play it for you later. Who knows? We'll see how long this runs, this podcast runs today. Uh, <laughs> we have been saddled with a two-party system and fooled into believing that there's a difference between Republicans and Democrats, when in fact, the two parties are exactly the same. Ha <laughs> ha! I agree with this guy. As one uh, commentator noted, both parties support endless wars, engage in out-of-control spending, ignore the citizenry's basic rights, and have no respect for the rule of law are bought and paid for by the big businesses, the big club, care most about their own power, and have a long record of expanding government and shrinking individual liberty. We're drowning under the weight of too much debt, too many wars, too much power in the hands of a centralized government run by a corporate elite, too many militarized police forces, too many laws, too many lobbyists, generally too much bad news all the time in your face, constantly desensitized by their media, telling you what to think, telling you what to feel, what to buy, who's cool, who's not cool, who's bad, who's good. The powers that be want us to believe that our job is as citizens begins and ends on election day. They want us to believe that we have no right to complain about the state of the nation unless we've cast our vote one way or the other. They want us to remain divided over politics, hostile to those with whom we disagree politically, and intolerant (laughs) of anyone or anything whose solutions to what ails this country differ from our own. What they don't want us to t- us talking about, people, is the fact that the government is corrupt. The system is rigged. The politicians don't represent you. The, electro- the electoral college is allegedly broken. Most of the candidates are frauds. And as I point out in my book, Battlefield America, The War on the American People. Ooh, 
I didn't know this author had a book. Might go check that out. We as a nation are repeating the mistakes of history, namely allowing a totalitarian state to reign in over us. Former concentration camp inmate Hannah Arendt. Oh, that's where the clip, who the clip was from in the beginning of this, this article. Uh, former concentration camp inmate Hannah Arendt warned against this when she wrote, Never has our future been more unpredictable. Never have we depended so much on political forces that cannot be trusted to follow the rules of common sense and self-interest. Forces that look like sheer insanity if judged by the standards of other centuries. <laughs> Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? As we once again find ourselves faced with the prospect of voting for the lesser of two evils, we the people have a decision to make. Do we simply participate in the collapse of the American Republic as it degenerates toward a totalitarian regime, or do we take a stand and reject the pathetic excuse for government that has been fooling us and who has been fobbed off on us never forget the lesser of two evils is still evil evil government is a necessary evil that must be controlled by a set of checks and balances you think we got checks and balances in this country anymore people All right, so that's it. That was an article by a gentleman named John W. Whitehead. And if you want to go check out his book, he wrote a book called Battlefield America, The War on You, the American People. All right, well, I'm going to take a, a short break. And when I come back, we're going to get into Hegel. And the Hegelian dialectic, what is it? Is it conspiracy theory? Ooh, conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, I'll be right back after this short break. All right. Welcome back. So, yeah, so today we're talking about the deep state and uh, how, they're, uh, how they're slowly, uh, you know, their methods, how they're slowly taking over. And, you know, maybe it is conspiracy theory bullshit, but I don't know. There's a lot of evidence out there that, that uh, you know, it makes a logical, intelligent person really think. And really, if you're curious and you're interested, boy, there is, it's out there, people. It's out there. And, you know, if you don't have the time to go research it, don't worry. Just keep listening to this podcast, baby. I'll keep bringing it. I'm going to keep bringing it. So here we go. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about Hegel and the Hegelian dialectic. So before we do that, let's talk about George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. Who is this guy? What is his dialectic? What does it mean? Is it conspiracy theory? I don't know. You be the judge. Let's learn together. Here we go. Hegel was a German philosopher 
who lived from 1770 to 1831, considered the most important figure in German idealism. So go look that up. What's German idealism, if you're interested? He is also considered one of the fundamental figures of modern Western philosophy, with his influence extending to the entire range of contemporary philosophical issues, from aesthetics to ontology to politics, uh, both in the analytic and continental tradition. Okay? Hegel's principal achievement was his development of a distinctive articulation of idealism that he termed absolute idealism in which the dualisms of for instance mind and <coughs> excuse me mind and nature and subject and object are overcome his philosophy of spirit conceptually integrates psychology the state history art religion and philosophy his master slash slave dialectic has been influential. I will repeat that. His master slave dialectic has been influential, especially in 21st, um, I'm sorry, in 20th century France. <clears throat> of special importance is his concept of spirit, sometimes translated as mind as the historical manifestation of the logical concept of sublation. Okay, so this is kind of getting deep here. Let's get to the important stuff. <clears throat> uh, okay, let me see. Opposition. Oh, God damn it, where was I? Um, sublation or seemingly contradictory opposing factors. Seemingly contradictory opposing factors very important at understanding what we're about to talk about okay and this guy broke it down to philosophical roots so this is pretty deep in the psyche of the mind of the humans <laughs> the human race um uh, yeah, so of seemingly contradictory or opposing factors, examples include the apparent opposition between necessity and freedom, between eminence and transcendence. Hegel has been seen in the 20th century as the originator of the thesis-antithesis-synthesis triad, but is an explicit phrase that originated with by Johann Gottlieb Fichte. <clears throat> Uh, also, that that is also known as uh, problem, reaction, solution, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Um, seemingly contradictory or opposing factors. Controlled conflict theory. This has been referred to uh, as as well uh so that's that okay moving on that's a little bit about hegel okay <clears throat> so i previously did an episode on uh the mystics and manly secret societies and we talked about um 
you know, if there's a plan to enslave the world and bring, uh, you know, rein in this new world, new new world order or some new socialist utopia, whatever it is, whatever it is, okay? It's, it, you know, it, you can talk, it doesn't really matter what you call it, it's, we're all referring to the same thing, okay? Um, a lot of people think that Hegel's dialectic is the process by which, you know, you create a problem, like a school shooting. Hey, we want, we want to take guns, okay? Here, here, here's a brief example of the Hegelian dialectic in your life, in your world today, okay? Uh, let's just say that, that this is true, okay? Let's suspend our disbelief just for a second. Let's just say that this is really all this conspiracy theory, alleged conspiracy theory nonsense is, nonsense is true, okay? Um, let's say they wanted to take our guns. So, well, what? how can we do it? How can we do it uh, without doing it by force? We got to figure it out. We got to give them, we got to give the people a reason to not want them. We have to give them a reason to turn them in willingly. It's happened before. It's happened before throughout history. Kitty Worthman talked about it. This uh, young lady, Hannah Arndt, that was just in this article, apparently she was a concentration camp survivor. People, people have already lived through this and have lived to tell about it. And it's about to happen to us again. It's about to happen to you. If you don't wake up and realize that this stuff is happening right now under your nose. Real. This is real. This is not fantasy. This is real. They want you to think it's fantasy. That's why the whole conspiracy theorist term is a thing. Here we go. Hegelian thinking is built within our entire social and political structure and is a tool used by con to control perceptions within reality. So here we go. I'm going to read this article about the Hegelian dialectic. Is it a tool to enslave humanity or not? And this is from Collective Evolution. So feel however you want to feel about their news articles. Okay. Uh, I happen to believe that they have some good stuff from time to time. Uh, and this was written in 2018. I don't know who the author is. If I see it we'll, well, as we go here, I'll bring it up. But uh, who cares at the moment? Here we go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hegelian thinking affects our entire social and political structure. The Hegelian dialectic is the framework for guiding our thoughts and actions into conflicts that lead us to predetermined solution. Lead us to a predetermined solution. If we do not understand how the Hegelian dialectic shapes our perceptions of the world, then we do not know how we are helping to implement their vision. When we remain locked into dialectical thinking... We cannot see out of the box. Hegel's dialectic is the tool which manipulates us into a frenzied circular pattern of thought and action. Circular. Pattern. You may call it a holding pattern. Like when they put planes in a holding pattern. Just leave them there. Because they can't land yet for whatever reason, okay? So think about that. A holding pattern for your mind. I love it. I love it. Controlling thought, controlling action. Key terms. I've talked about it in previous podcasts. Um, every time we fight for or defend against an ideology, we are playing a necessary role. Useful idiots. We are playing a necessary role in the elite's game, and it holds this system in place, the status quo, opting 
our consciousness out is the key. I'm going to read that again. Hegel's dialectic is the tool which manipulates us into a frenzied, circular pattern of thought and action. Every time we fight for or defend against an ideology, we are playing a necessary role in the elite's game, and it holds this system in place. Opting our consciousness out is the key. Every time we fight for or defend against an ideology, you know what that reminds me of? Propaganda. Propaganda is creating soldiers in an army. Remember? Remember that from a previous podcast? The propaganda is there to catch you on Trained minds, naive, gullible, lemmings, sheep, following their herd right over the cliff to your inevitable end. The chessboard is a well-known Masonic, Freemasons, or Hegelian symbol. Hmm. The black and white squares symbolize control through duality in the grand game of life in all aspects. Left or right, white or black, conservative or liberal, Democrat or Republican, Christian or Muslim, so on and so on and so on. Binary idiot mentality. I've talked about it before. Through two opposing parties' control is gained as both parties reach the same destination, which is ordered through guided conflict or chaos. Left thesis versus right antithesis equals middle ground or control of the outcome synthesis. The triangle and all-seeing eye we see so often symbolizes symbolizes the completion of the great work which began almost 6,000 years ago when humanity was taken over and disconnected. The pyramid is supported by the bottom opposing sides. Pay attention to this. It's on your money. The capstone at the top is established through controlled solution or middle ground. Some people call this pragmatism, cooperation. Some people call it control and slavery. Very fine line. Hegelian dialectic is one in the same. The final plan is in action. However, the system is decayed and destined for failure, allegedly. We shall see. The dualistic order out of chaos model is based on separate, I'm, I'm sorry, based on separation of the people driven by economics. See how this all connects people? I'm, I'm, it's like I've been telling you, we're on, we're on episode 24, I think. I think, 24? Uh, how many different stories have I been telling you people from different people, from different times, throughout history? All of them are telling you in different ways, 
the exact same story. However, the planet is at an apex where consciousness is shifting and people are seeing beyond this game. Therefore, the system that is controlling us can be, can be, will, God damn it. Therefore, the system that is controlling us will be no more. Those manipulating the planet have used Hegelian dialectic to separate and control brothers and sisters, children of this planet. Man, if I was the author, I would just take that paragraph right out of this article. I'm, I'm sorry I read that to you. I should have left that out. I find it uh, full of grammatical errors and disjointed thoughts. Moving on. The only way to completely stop the privacy invasions, expanding domestic police powers, land grabs, wars against inanimate objects, covert actions, and outright assaults on individual liberty is to step outside the dialectic and shift consciousness. This releases us from the limitations of controlled and guided thought. Thought control. Mind control, mind manipulation, enhanced by pharmacological methods, people. It's happening. This shit is real. Step outside the triangle, the Hegelian dialectic. The, the base is supported by the, 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 um, the conflict, the right versus left. And the top represents the outcome. The synthesis of the conflict. It's in our symbolism. The symbolism is on your money. It's everywhere. Novus Ordo Seclorum. New order of the ages. Order out of chaos. It is all the same game brought on by the cabal of this world ruling ruling the ruling cabal of this world we are choosing to play these roles play these roles to support a system designed to hold us back from thriving but it is time to change that game don't you think we can expect to see more madness and fear tactics from establishment to keep control but you are always free to think outside the box and let go of that Hegelian dialectic. You can view this system for what it is as the moves on the chessboard become more and more blatantly apparent to you. And I hope they are, people. I hope that you are becoming aware. I hope that you are educating yourself and i hope that you are finding the courage to face the realities of this world okay i'm gonna move on this is um from declassified cia files i am not 
going to get arrested for talking about this because this is from declassified files. But people, if you want to know what's really going on in this world and you really want to know the reality of the history of the people that run this country and have been running this country for the last 245 years, here coming up pretty soon, go look at declassified deep state intelligence community files. People, the truth is right there. <laughs> so here we go. This is this is going to be this is going to be tough to listen to, people. Uh but this is one of my always consistent theses. Theses? Theses. <laughs> sounds a lot like so, sounds a lot like feces. <laughs> my theses are feces. <laughs> my theories are shit. That's funny, I just came up with that. Okay, moving on. Here we go, people. Mind Control 101, an introduction. So this was written by a guy named David McGowan. And the information that he includes in this article, people, he found in declassified CIA documents, declassified MK Ultra documents, and other information referenced from a researcher named Arlene, I'm sorry, Arlene Tyner. So I need to go find out who that person is. I need to vet all this and make sure that this is true. But again, let's just suspend our disbelief for five seconds and listen to what this person wrote. Okay? The experimenters will be particularly interested in dissociative states from multiple personality disorders and other disorders in an attempt will be made and an attempt will be made to induce a number of these states of, of states of this kind using hypnosis. Oh, this is from a declassified MK Ultra document, allegedly. Um, so here we go. Although most Americans understandably have uh, difficulty grasping the concept of mind control and find absurd the idea that it may be in fact possible to so completely brainwash an individual that he or she is rendered an unwitting and unknowing slave programmed to perform at the command of others. The fact remains that U.S. intelligence services have devoted a considerable amount of time and money to developing just such an individual. A Manchurian candidate, if you will. There is not space here to detail all the techniques and methods that have received attention from the CIA and its brethren, but the basic methodology was revealed decades ago by George Estabrooks, a prominent psychologist and hypnotist under contract to the intelligence services. In his book, Hypnotism, first published nearly six decades ago in 1943. Ooh, wow, right around World War II, during World War II. How shockingly, chronologically accurate when put into the context of the time. Think about it. Nazi Germany, CIA, FBI, NSA, 
trying to figure out ways to control your mind. Operation Mockingbird, take over the media. Operation Northwoods, bring all the Nazi propagandists to the United States so that you can propagandize the American people. People, you think I'm a conspiracy theorist? I'm reading. I'm reading it right now from Declassified Files. This is provable fact. This is objective truth. I don't give a shit if you think it's conspiracy theory. I don't care. You are just not far enough along in your path to enlightenment to accept the fact that this could be true. But people, it's just your cognitive dissonance and it's not your fault. These people have been trying to figure out how to control the mind of the human being for a very long time. And they are exceedingly efficient at it today. Listen, here we go. George Esther Brooks, author of Hypnotism, candid, candidly acknowledges that his main interest has always been the military application of hypnosis. While his notes in the book, while he notes in the book that the intelligent reader will sense that much more is withheld than has been told, he nevertheless reveals enough information to construct a fairly accurate picture of the fundamentals of mind control. People, listen up. What is needed is a subject suffering from what used to be termed multiple personality disorder and what is now termed dissociative identity disorder. So that's square one. That's the people they're looking for first and foremost, okay? A subject suffering from these disorders. This condition can already exist within the subject or can be created by a therapist. <laughs> can be created by a therapist. In all cases, however, the condition is created by severe trauma. So severe, in fact, that the traumatic episode cannot be integrated into the experiences of the core personality. So people, this is like every crazy, like you guys remember Zoolander? Remember the movie Zoolander where they, 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 they took the, the famous model and uh, tried to brainwash him to kill the whatever leader of whatever country it was? People. I'm reading to you from declassified MKUltra CIA files. This shit is fact. Real. Reality. Not fucking conspiracy theory. Far and away, the most common cause of multiple personality disorder is early childhood abuse often but not always inflicted by a parent or older adult guardian. As Dr. Frank Putnam stated in 1989, I am struck by the quality of extreme sadism that is reported by most multiple personality disorder victims. Many multiples have told me of being sexually abused by groups of people being forced into prostitution by family members and the like, or being offered as sexual enticement to their mother's boyfriends, often 
after one has worked with a number of multiple personality disorder patients, it becomes obvious that severe, sustained, and repetitive child abuse is a major element in the creation of multiple personality disorder. I'm going to take a brief aside right there. Do you know what that makes me think about people? I know the whole QAnon thing's been debunked. Debunked. I know, I know a lot of that is actually conspiracy theory, but people, an intelligent mind that can put two and two together is going to take from this. Maybe there are rich, powerful groups of people in maybe, I don't know, some type of secret society that get together and maybe they are occultists or they believe in some type of other pagan tradition. Maybe even you might want to call them Satan worshipers. And maybe they are having rituals. And maybe they are doing disgusting things to children. And maybe those children are going to grow up to be so messed up mentally that now they can be turned into Manchurian candidates by a quote-unquote therapist who can quote-unquote create the condition if it doesn't already exist within the subject. I know, I know, I hate that I find this stuff. I hate that I stumble upon this when I start doing my own research. I hate knowing that the deep state and the people behind our intelligence communities are probably using the Hegelian dialectic around the world in order to force the outcome of conflict and of world events. 9-11. All the school shootings you've been seeing on TV. Uh, You know, planes going down in other countries that had alleged scientists on it. I mean, the, the stories are just, they go on and on and on and on, people. I think, uh, I don't know if this is true, but I think uh, William Casey, an old CIA director, I think that he was allegedly quoted one time as saying that we will know that our disinformation campaign is complete when everything the American people believe is a lie. Hitler once said that the people will more easily fall victim to a big lie rather than a small lie. Operation Northwoods, after World War II, they brought the Nazi uh, propagandists to the United States. Now, in the 21st century, the United States just so happens to be one of the most brainwashed, propagandized societies on the planet. People. You can call it conspiracy theory all you want. But it's not true. This stuff has happened and is happening. When the abuse is of an extreme nature, the natural human reaction is to build a wall around such experiences, so to speak, uh, by creating a separate and distinct personality to deal with future episodes of abuse. 
Once the core personality has been thus split, it is then possible to control one or more of the alters that have been created without the conscious knowledge of the primary personality. This, according to Estabrooks, creates the super spy, willing to follow orders unquestioningly without even having awareness of doing so. People, has it ever crossed your mind that maybe these active shooters shooting up the schools, shooting up the businesses? Maybe you should research these shooters. See if they had any early early childhood trauma. See if their parents ever subjected them to disgusting sexual encounters. Sadism. Do some research. Let's see. Let's see if there's a common theme. Have these shooters ever been visited by members of the intelligence community? Have they maybe, I don't know, used their trauma to create states in them? by their so-called therapists that they may or may not be working with. I'm not saying that this is true. I mean, clearly what I'm saying, I suppose you could label a conspiracy theory, but when does theory become fact, people? How many stories, how much evidence do you need to see to realize the reality staring you in the face Esther Brooks only alludes to the severe abuse that is required to create a true multiple, often referring to the trauma euphemistically as a form of hypnotism. (laughs) At one point, for instance, he notes that multiple personalities are caused by a form of hypnotism in the first place. We will see that emotional shock produces exactly the same results as hypnotism. Later, he comes closer to the grim reality that multiple personality could be both caused and cured by hypnotism. I mean, people, that's the movie Zoolander. Right there. There you go. Remember that war is a grim business. Suppose we deliberately set up that condition of multiple personality to further the ends of military intelligence. There it is in plain, declassified, factual, historical language information. I'm sorry to tell you, people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that declassified government CIA files about what they did to people in the past exist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm not lying. This stuff is out there, people. Elsewhere, Estabrooks acknowledges that he himself had written previously that everyone could be thrown into the deepest state. (laughs) Hence the title of this podcast. The deepest state of hypnotism by the use of what uh, the Russians termed as no-holds-barred, deliberate disintegration of the personality by psychic torture. The subject might easily be left a mental wreck, but war, people, is a grim business. And you got to do what you got to do, right? Military-industrial complex. Deep state, military-industrial complex, secret societies, rich, wealthy, powerful, the few, the elite, 
the rulers of this world, the big club. Indeed, it is though that hardly justifies Estabrooks's position, especially considering that most mind control operations have little to do with military operations, at least not overt ones. So that's the covert ones, the jackals I was telling you about uh, from the John Perkins book, where he seconds all this stuff. KGB guy, again, told you the story about that. Kitty Worthman lived through the annexation of Austria by Germany and Russia. People. I don't know. I'm going to keep doing this podcast. I'm just going to keep slamming all the stuff in your face. I'm going to keep doing it. You people need to hear it. Esther Brooks also noted that children make especially good subjects, given that they are notoriously easy to hypnotize. This is a nice way of saying that children are particularly vulnerable to abuse and have more of a tendency to dissociate traumatic experiences, thereby creating alter uh, identities that can then be exploited and controlled. People, if that isn't Satan worshiping, if that isn't the most evil, disgusting thing I can think of, uh, one of the most disgusting parts of human nature, that one of the, the most unbelievable things that human beings are capable of, people, it's out there. This stuff is happening to kids. This is why the, the child trafficking trade is is such a thing, you know? And you know what? Some people might even tell you that Anthony Bourdain and uh, Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington, uh, who's the guy from Fast and Furious, all these guys were going to blow the whistle on the child trafficking rings. They got too close. They knew too much. The Hollywood elite. Maybe there is some truth to those QAnon videos. Only in the beginning, though, not the end. I've talked about it before. All those conspiracy videos, they start with some stuff that's probably actually happening with a little bit of evidence they run by you, and then they twist the narrative somewhere and start running a bunch of crazy fantasy bullshit by you, and if if you still believe it at that point, they got you, boy. Hooked. Hook, line, and sinker. A nice fresh meal pulled out of the water, ready to be cooked up and eaten. Figuratively speaking. Years later, another CIA-connected psychiatrist, uh, hypnotist named Paul Verdier, wrote an obscure little book entitled Brainwashing and Cults, an expose on capturing the human mind. That's a hell of a title right there, boy that echoed much of Esther Brooks's previous work, what he had written. Verdier begins by acknowledging that it must be accepted that brainwashing is now being used here by devious persons with personal gain in mind, though he misrepresents who those devious persons are. Of course! Because they'll kill you, people. When you're in the big club, you can't speak out against the big club, you're dead. You reveal the plans, you're dead. You blow the whistle, you're dead. I find it very hard to believe that Bourdain and uh, Bennington and Chris Cornell and who's the other guy, the Fast and Furious guy, Paul Walker, I think his name was, and the list goes on and on, people. Really, really, you really think they all just killed themselves? They all just committed suicide? (laughs) I mean, what's more believable? This stuff that I'm telling you? 
or the or the you know the reality or the show, the story you're seeing on the mainstream media news networks. I don't know. Maybe it is conspiracy theory. Maybe I'm completely full of shit. But you know what, what I know isn't conspiracy theory and isn't complete bullshit? The fact that the CIA in the past did this shit to people. Excuse me. And are probably still doing it now, today. He then explains, Paul Verdeer, who wrote the book Brainwashing and Cults, an expose on capturing the human mind, <laughs> uh, that the goal of mind control is to access those areas of the brain that are outside of the conscious control of the individual by circumventing the normal inhibi inhibiting response of the cerebral cortex. <coughs> An individual's voluntary conscious self-control must be bypassed or short-circuited. In order to dis disable the brain's cortical block, Verdeer recommends alcohol, euphoric drugs, isolation, solitary confinement, and the most dramatic and unique item in the brainwashing arsenal, hypnotism. All of these are methods that have been extensively tested by the CIA under the rubric of the MK Ultra program. People, remember when uh, Fast Talking Guy in the uh, Divide and Conquer episode when I played his little clip? This is the stuff that guy's talking about. He's talking about this stuff. The tell lie vision, the one-eyed devil. First control the minds of the children. Verdier goes on to explain that to achieve truly lasting mind control uh, requires the creation of profound and deep emotional states. The deep state. A painless concentration camp where you're just sleeping, your mind's asleep, plugged into a program. The profound and deep emotional states recommended are fear, shock, anxiety, which have an intense disinhibitive effect on the human brain. What this means in essence is that emotional trauma facilitates the accessing of dissociative states, people. Trauma is what emotional trauma, torture, uh, repeatedly, Repeated torture and trauma is going to put you in a dissociative state. You've seen it in all your movies. Does art imitate life or does life imitate art, people? It's scary. It's scary to think about. But, but I've always thought about it like this. If a human mind, if a human being can think it, the only difference between bringing it in, into reality is trial and error, is attempting. And that's the worst combination, is when you get someone determined who is willing to test their theories and who have evil not in the best interest of the whole's plans in mind. That's the scariest kind of people. And people, those are the people running your intelligence communities. And that's why the movies want you to think that the CIA and the M uh, FBI and the NSA are all these, all never question their motives. They have the, your best interest in mind all the time. Never question their motives. motives. They're the heroes. They're the heroes. They're the heroes in your movies, and they're there to be looked up to, right? 
<sighs> the most effective of the profound and deep emotional states, according to Verdeer, is pain. The doctor explains that this is because, according to the eminent neurologist Dr. Wilder Penfield, sensations of pain from the muscular sensory system enter the subcortical brain regions directly. Penfield was, it should be noted, an associate of medical torture expert and MK Ultra operative. Uh, wow. The Verdier makes clear, uh, Verdier makes clear that pain and fear are among the most effective tools in the MK Ultra toolbox. When he steals a page from Esther Brooks' book, Russian political scientists do support the belief that given enough punishment, all the people in any time or place are susceptible to hypnotic control. This, by the way, this is, by the way, a very common form of agency disinformation. Acknowledge the existence of mind control, but blame it all on those damn communists or those damn <clears throat> Republicans, those BLMers, those Proud Boys. Fill in your favorite all-encompassing label term that is intended to divide us so that the big club can conquer us, people. Verdier makes clear. Verdier makes clear. Oh, I already read that. Sorry. He also echoes Esther Brooks's belief that children are ideal candidates for mind control operations, stating with apparent approval that brainwashing can be slow, insidious, and sure when applied to children early in life. Doesn't that just piss you off? Right now, I'm thinking about Ashton Kutcher, like pleading in front of that Senate committee. We got to stop the child trafficking. We got to stop the human trafficking. I don't know. What if the big club's doing it, people? You know, you really going to stop it? They're killing anyone that's trying to blow the whistle on it. I might be in danger by doing this podcast. Who knows? We'll see. He further adds that it is likely that there is a short period of time following corporal punishment when the child is in a state of decortication, hypnosis, so to speak. This is the ideal time to plant the positive instructions for better behavior in the future. What the good doctor considers corporal punishment and positive instructions is left to the reader's imagination. The vulnerability of children is one of the reasons that the CIA and other intelligence agencies have played a key role in the creation of mainstream satanic groups such as the OTO and the Temple of Set, as well as in, in denying the existence of underground satanic cults and satan, satanic crimes. These satanic groups have frequently served as agency fronts for mind control operations. People... There it is in plain language. I'm not making this stuff up. The ugly reality is that when it comes to severely traumatizing children, nothing compares to the stories told by those who have survived what has been termed satanic ritual abuse or SRA. Interestingly, Verdier notes that one of the most pronounced emotional experiences that a human being can undergo is having his or her life threatened. Threats of death are used as a basic tool by brainwashing communists. 
Even among them, however, this threat is used sparingly, for they know that humans quickly adapt to this type of threat, especially if it is repeatedly given by, but never carried out. In order to avoid this routinization of stressful emotional situations, they have been known to casually execute prisoners for the apparent effect it has on others. So if they put the war on the TV screen for all to see, that's the threat, people. That's the deep state telling you, just like Bill Hicks told you, that they'll, you know, state power. The 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 message is state power will win. We'll kick down your door. We'll put boots in your faces. We'll put guns to your head, and we'll blow you the fuck away, if that's what it takes to keep the fear going. To keep the domination of the American people and really of the world, of, of humanity, in check. They keep you in check by keeping you afraid, impotent. Bill Hicks was right. Our fast-talking friend in the Divide and Conquer episode was right. Uh, uh, Eisenhower in his speech, warning us about the military-industrial complex, was right. JFK, blowing the whistle on secret societies, got killed for it. People, it all connects. There has been a concerted effort to discredit all such stories, spearheaded by the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. A group led by a truly vile coalition of CIA-affiliated psychologists, psychiatrists, and accused pedophiles. Also playing key roles in the movement to deny the validity of recovered memories of severe abuse are Paul and Shirley Eberly, authors of the supposedly authoritative book, The Politics of Child Abuse. And then it goes on to talk about the Eberly's book attempts to blame all child abuse accusations and prosecutions on overzealous prosecutors, therapists, and parents. Claims of ritual abuse, by the way, are certainly not a recent phenomenon. They, they actually have a long history and were given legitimacy uh, by Sigmund Freud over 100 years ago. Freud recognized such abuse to be the primary cause of psychological problems he observed in his female patients before he was forced by peer pressure to drop what was known as the seduction theory. <clears throat> so that, there, that means that there's a concerted effort by the CIA to cover this shit up too, people. Oh my God. I can go on and on and on and on. You guys want to hear me continue reading this shit to you? I mean, and this guy's, this guy's, he's, this piece I'm reading to you right now, people, he has references. Cited. He cited his references. It's probably peer-reviewed. Listen to this. Uh, all Kurdi Hussein uh, is the author, Messing With Our Minds, Court Freedom, published 1998. Uh, author, John Anderson, Satanic Crime. Police say the devil made some people do it. Chicago Tribune, April 18th, 1988. David Brindle, book, title, Satanic Abuse, Row Erupts, in The Guardian, in the United Kingdom. Esther Brooks, book, Hypnotism, 
1957. Sophie Goodchild, Satanic Abuse, No Myth, Say Experts, published in The Independent, 2000. Michelle Landsberg, Incest, Stop the Nonsense and Get to the Difficult Truth, published, Toronto Star, February 4th. Jeremy Lawrence, therapist, title of his book, Therapist Revives Fears of Ritual Satanic Abuse, published in The Independent. Uh, Maria Lorena, Paul and Shirley Eberly, A Strange Pair of Experts. Ms. Magazine, 1988. Uh, Martin Lee and Bruce... Schlein, Acid Dreams. Did you know that, by the way, about LSD and the hippie movement? You know, all that was pretty much like purposely given to society to test this theory. <laughs> oh, man. It's a big club, and you're not in it, people. They are, they've been pulling the strings. You are so manipulated. We are so manipulated. They gave us drugs. They, they you know, honestly, the CIA is probably, was, they're probably behind cocaine. And the cocaine epidemic—that's probably that's proven. You can you you ever heard of uh, Officer Webb? I think it was his name. Blew the whistle on it. They killed him for it too. Arlene Tyner, Mind Control Part Three: The Blowback Effect of Brain Tampering. Paul Verdeer, Brainwashing in the Cults, Wilshire Book Company. I mean, all these books are out there. People wrote them. You got actors trying to blow the whistle on the stuff. Ronald Reagan, big into the occult. I don't know, people. You think I'm making all this stuff up? All I'm doing is trying to look up what, what all this conspiracy nonsense nonsense is about. And what am I stumbling upon? I'm stumbling upon evidence to the contrary. I'm stumbling upon evidence that conspiracy theories, some of them, maybe most of them people, are actual fact. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry to break it to you. Um, I would read on, but uh, I'm I'm kind of being upsetted by it because this... Here, let me get past the child stuff because it just disgusts me and it makes me just, ugh, just disgusting. The thought of what these people are doing to kids is just, ugh. Ah, here we go. Truth be told, the stories told by survivors tend to be self-discrediting. Uh, One of the benefits of cloaking mind control operations in satanic rituals is that the operations are largely immune to disclosure, <laughs> obviously. Even if an operation is uncovered, as was the case with the McMartin Preschool, go look that up, the stories told by the children are so outlandish, so far removed from the world as we know it, that they are easily cast aside as the product of a child's fertile imagination. Very, very clever. In May of 2000, a report commissioned by the United Kingdom's Department of Health concluded that satanic ritual abuse was not, as an earlier report ordered by the conservative government found in 1994, a myth. The Independent noted, a specially commissioned government report will this week conclude that satanic abuse does take place in Britain and in many other 
places as well. It will say that its victims have suffered actual abuse and are are not suffering from false memory syndrome. And then it goes on to talk about their studies, yada, 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 yada. Okay, so uh, there we go, people. There we go. So today, today, ah, yeah, I can't even talk. Today's episode is about the deep state. And, you know, the deep state, I love that term. And the reason why I love it is because it means so many different things to different people. The deep state could be referring to the big club, a small group of rich, psychopathic assholes that are dominating and controlling the world. Or you could call the deep state the deep hypnotic state that the mainstream media puts you in to lull you to sleep so that they can um, get you into bed and infect you with diseases of which there is no cure. If I were the devil, I'd just keep on doing what he's doing. Remember that from the Paul Harvey, if I were the devil? KGB guy said that it's made possible by lack of moral standards. So I don't know, people. We can either have some type of God-fearing or religion in our life. We can either have some type of morality, some type of civic duty, some type of uh, desire to cooperate and live together peacefully. We can go that route through life. Or we can go the route of the devil. And that's the route that we've been on ever since World War II. And even before. I've been over it. Yada, 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 etc., etc., etc. I know, it's a lot. I know, people. I know, it's a lot. But you got to learn this stuff. The deep state is real. The CIA lulling you to sleep through the media, real. The deep state, small group of people trying to take over and control the world, real. Real. Not fantasy. Reality. Okay? I'm sorry. Jeffrey Epstein, people. Jill and Maxwell. He's got a, he's got a, a room for satanic rituals. He's got a habit of, of doing nasty things to kids. He's connected to the richest, most powerful people in government and business all around the world. People, I'm sorry. Chances are, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck... Chances are it might be a fucking duck, people. You gotta wake up. You gotta find the courage. The future is not looking bright. People, right now, I'm gonna play for you the President Dwight D. Eisenhower uh, speech he gave on January 17th, 1961 where he warns us all about the military-industrial complex. Can't believe they didn't JFK this guy. But JFK definitely heeded the warning of Eisenhower. And when he told you people, when he broke the ranks of that triangle, when when he decided to think for himself and reveal the reality of what's going on in this world to the American people, you know the punishment, right? You know the penalty. John Perkins told you people in, econo- in uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. If he spoke out, he was dead. 
If he revealed the plan, he was dead. If you turn your back on him, you're dead. It's, it's a big club and you're not in it. And that club, people, is a satanic mafia. Here we go. Eisenhower, in his own words. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Good evening, my fellow Americans. We now stand ten years past the midpoint of a century that has witnessed four major wars among great nations. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares could, with time and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. Added to this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. Now this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. So that security and liberty may prosper together if you're willing to trade your liberty for a false sense of security if you really think the big club is going to protect you if you really think your political party isn't going to throw you aside at some point if you don't think you're living in a Nietzschean will to power world where morals and fairness and reasoned arguments are not a thing. The fabric of society is what we're talking about here. Good versus evil. You know, gods versus devils. However you want to put it into, whatever terms you want to put it into. You cannot deny anymore that people, this stuff is happening. It is real. It is not conspiracy theory.
Um, so now I want to, you know what? I'm going to play that Michael Douglas thing for you guys because I was kind of looking at it. Uh, it's by represent us. Uh, and I follow their stuff on Facebook. They got some, uh, stuff I agree with sometimes, uh, stuff that I don't so much, but this, this is actually kind of crazy, uh, that they actually air. I, I don't know. This is, I feel like people are waking up. This gives me hope that Michael Douglas agreed to do this. Uh, here, you, uh, listen for yourself. Here we go. 2019, both major parties publicly threatened to blacklist candidates and contractors who veered from the party lines. They control the money, the debates, the primaries. They even draw their own voting districts. A full 61% of Americans want another option. But any third party or independent who runs is seen as a spoiler. So year after year, we choose between the lesser of two evils, Democrats, Republicans, Republicans, Democrats. In, in any other environment, a new competitor would swoop in to better serve their constituency. You hate your cable company? Here comes streaming. But the two parties have rigged the system to block competition. But it gets worse. In 86% of House races, we now know which party will win the general election before it even starts. That means all of the competition is in the primaries, where as few as 14% of voters participate. 14%. Primary voters tend to be more partisan than those who vote in the general election. So the most partisan candidates win the primary, they're virtually guaranteed to win the general, so you can guess what happens next. Over time, the parties move further and further apart. This graphic, shows members of Congress who worked with the other party to pass a law in 1953. The gray lines represent their collaboration. The more lines you see, the more times they You can't see it, but there's a lot of lines right law. now. This is how it looked in 67. Uh, Lots of uh, cooperation. In 81. A little bit less. Look what happened in 1995. Almost and by no cooperation. It represents where we are today. Hardliners are rewarded. Collaboration is vilified. Congress is so gridlocked they can't even pass the most basic laws to improve the lives of everyday Americans. So gridlocked. So gridlocked. Can't even come to agreement on how to better the lives of the American people. Lobbyists, the rich, get what they want. Your labor is taxed. Your ability to be an entrepreneur and to move up in the social on the social ladder or whatever, it, you know, if you're all about status and you just want to be that that rich person, that American dream, you know, fantasy. You you know that's that's the programming. I know so many people like that. They just want to be like what the programming tells them they should be. You should go to nightclubs and you should throw your money and make it rain on a bunch of chicks. You should pour champagne all over them. And, uh, you know, you should drive a, a, an expensive car and you should have a really rich guy job, etc., etc., etc. And that's what you should aspire to. And that's, that's what makes you good and just and upright and moral, right? I know that's a brief aside, but it's all by design, people. It's all by design. Michael Douglas exposing the truth is what this thing is called. 
They're so gridlocked in government because of the rich and the lobbyists. They already can. They already know who's going to win the elections before the uh, the voting even occurs. I don't know. Maybe maybe we should take a look at that electoral college, or maybe we should take a look at the relationships that the rich and powerful are building with the politicians as soon as they get into office. If those relationships weren't already built before that politician got into office. I mean, remember what Stefan, Stefan Molyneux said in that last episode, uh, that one episode, pre, pre, uh, can't even talk, previously, uh, about, what do you say? Everyone that's, every option that's presented to you is already compromised. Already compromised, already vetted. Presidents aren't elected, they're selected. I know. It's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, You guys ready for some punk rock? Let's play some punk rock music. I'm going to take a quick break, and when we get back, it's punk rock time. All right. Welcome back. Um, Agnostic Front. They have a song called Conquer and Divide. And just wanted to read through these lyrics real quick. I like it. Here we go. They set you up. You follow like the other sheep. It's all a big disguise. Politicians and all their empty promises, it's all a fucking lie. Lives are lost, but they won't stop at any cost. This is happening right before our eyes. It's all a waste of time. Conquer and divide. Power of expression, power of the mind, freedom of speech, Live free or die. Stand up and resist. You gotta fight to exist. Break down. Wait, I said, yeah, stand up and resist. You gotta fight to exist. Break down the walls that divide. You wanna pit the poor on the po- on the poor. Out of order, out of control. While the rich get rich and the countries run on greed. Sooner or later, it's all gonna fall. It's all a waste of time. It's all a bunch of lies. It's us against us. Conquer and divide. All right, people. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope you liked this episode. Uh, this has been episode 24 of the Politics and Punk Rock podcast. I am Andrew for America. And the deep state, people, it's a real thing. Both of them. Both, both, uh, definitions the deep state uh can be referred to as the big club that uh the small group of very rich wealthy connected people that are trying to control the world that's one uh definition of the quote-unquote deep state and i like to think of the term the deep state as the hypnotic deep state of relaxation and sleep that your TV screen puts you in so that they can lull you to sleep and lure you into bed. Control your mind. Control your actions. Torture you. <laughs> maybe, maybe not the torture part, but 
It's mental torture, that's for sure. Gotta turn the TV off and you gotta start reading people. Or else they got us. They got us. Here we go. Here comes the Matrix. Just plug me in. I don't know, people. I don't know whether to be excited or afraid. Is it going to be the worst dystopian nightmare that anyone could possibly ever fathom? Or is it going to be a enjoyable, painless concentration camp? I don't know. I don't know if I could trust humans to be in control of other humans. We're all human. You know, why Why are cer- certain humans cut from a finer cloth than others? Well, you know, all the things I talked about previously, determination, uh, pragmatism, being able to be open-minded and cooperative with other people, being able to make decisions that have the best interest in the, of the whole in mind. Who knows? The world could be a completely different, amazing place, perhaps, if we didn't have... This small group of rich assholes that don't give a fuck about us running the show. I hope you liked this episode. It was a long one. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, good night. We'll see you next time.